Welcome everyone. Bienvenidos to the Baby Wearing Club podcast, where we explore the art and practice of baby wearing, as well as its powerful impact in our parenting journeys. I'm your host, Carla Castro. Thank you so much for making the time to tune in. Our special guest for today's episode is Alexa from My Bilingual Babies. We'll be chatting about the joys and struggles of raising bilingual kids, and I'm really looking forward to learning from you, Alexa. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom to help us in our bilingual journeys. So welcome, Alexa. I am really excited to chat with you today. And uh, to start off, please tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, hi. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So my name is uh, Alexa Barrera. I um, am a Mexican-Canadian living currently in Canada. Um, I'm the mom of two little girls, Evelyn and Penelope, um, and I'm also the founder of uh, BilingualBabies.ca, a website that has a lot of resources uh, to support parents in their bilingual journey. Love that. And um, so you're raising your kids to be uh, bilingual in Spanish and English. Um, and how how did, was that just something that happened organically because you speak Spanish that you naturally just did it or do you find that you have to be more intentional about it and like really implement like more structure about it that's a really good question um I think in my for from my experience and the experience that I've heard from other parents when you grew up bilingual which is which was in my case in my household um, in Mexico we spoke English we spoke Spanish Um, you automatically think, of course, you're going to raise your kids to be bilingual too, because you were brought that way. Um, And then the day comes and you think it's going to be super easy because you already speak the languages. And then it turns out that it's actually a lot more complicated than that. (laughs) There's all of these other factors that you hadn't taken into account, like lack of sleep and, you know, having, having to figure out how to discipline, you know, the child and um, all of these other factors that come with raising um, a child that just make it that much more complex to, in addition, add another language. And so I found that for me, in our case, because my, my husband does not speak Spanish, um, I found it really difficult. Um, the first year was very easy because it was just me and my baby and we were on mat leave and it was just the two of us and we, you know, I would talk to my baby all the time and it was really easy. And then when I went back to work, slowly the Spanish just kind of disappeared. Um, I didn't, I wasn't speaking in Spanish with anyone during the day. And so when I came home, all of my stories had happened in English. So I would tell them in English and Um, And it wasn't until I had my second child that I realized that I had to do something differently, that I had to put in kind of like a a system or something that was a little bit more conscious so that I would um, bring back the Spanish into the household, even though, you know, I was the only parent speaking it. Um, We were in the middle of a, like the pandemic had just begun. um, So our network had, you know, kind of disappeared. but I had to become a lot more conscious and a lot more um, intentional about it. And I think when you speak to other parents that are raising their kids to be bilingual, that find themselves in kind of that similar situation where they use the one parent, one language methodology, mm-hmm. um, they find themselves in that same situation where you have to be a lot more intentional about it. So that's, yeah, that's my, uh, a little bit of my experience with, with that. 
like you said, it seems like it would be so easy because it's, you know, your language, but it can be um, <clears throat> something that gets lost or something that just gets pushed to the side if you're not intentional about it. And so I really love that you give really practical tips and you offer really great resources for parents. Can you share with us a little bit about what kind of resources you do offer to support parents who want to raise bilingual babies? Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the um, um, first things that we have is our um, Facebook community uh, where we have members who are also going through the same journey. And so people ask questions and then we're able to kind of like all answer together, or contribute or share experiences. And so that in itself, I find is a very useful tool, right? We've basically taken this idea of it takes a village to it takes a community in a village online to yeah. be able to support um, you in this in the in this bilingual uh, journey, right? Um, the other thing is like on the Instagram account, I share a lot of tips uh, on things to do um, that that are helpful. And then there's there's a whole bunch of different resources that you can find, and I think this really depends on like the type of parent that you are, how like the type of engagement that you have. So, for example, if you're really into books, there's um I have a list of books um, and TED talks that you can watch that are available on the on the bilingualbabies.ca website. Um, if you're more into music, there's also like a Spotify list that you can also oh, where you can also get like you know some some music which is also always like helpful um and so it really depends on like the type of parent that you are some people prefer yeah. to read some people prefer to watch videos some people prefer to um do more hands-on stuff like singing singing and music um and so everything is really important that you find what type of parent you are for that like do you yeah. like to do crafts or not it doesn't matter yeah it's, there's it, there's no right or wrong it's, right. it's your preference right mm -hmm. um and so what i find that what helps with this is it helps you equip yourself mm. so that you can overcome the challenging and difficult moments. Yeah. So for example, if you're a really crafty person, then decide to do the crafts just in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. crafts become Spanish. It's a Spanish time. It's an opportunity to practice Spanish. And that's just how, how the rule that you put in your household. Yeah. Um, if you're really into books, go and get all of the books in Spanish and read just in Spanish. Um, if you're really into music, then music in, in the household is in Spanish. And I find that that's really helpful because we have to remember that, like, at the end of the day, you're the one that's talking all the time. Right. Right. <laughs> their like their input comes from you. And mm -hmm. so you better be doing something that you like or else you're going to really like find it difficult and challenging and you're not going to want to go through with it because, you know, we're sleep deprived it's stressful like being parents is not always like an easy journey it's like 10 percent fun and the rest of it is like a lot of work a lot of work and so sure. finding fun things for you so that you can do them with your kids in the language of the choice that you're you know your your target language in this case spanish then it just makes it that much more easy and the kids will find it too right they'll find it like they'll be like mm -hmm. oh yeah you know, when we do activities, it's in Spanish. When mm -hmm. we go to the library, we go and find the books that are in Spanish. Like mm -hmm. that becomes part and becomes part of you. And it becomes part of that, just that bonding time, right? That, that unity, like you talk a lot about baby wearing. And what I find fascinating about this is, you know, as moms, we, we wear our babies for a really long time and mm -hmm. we talk to them so much. Yeah. Right. 
And, uh, and they learn from that. And that special connection is there, right? And by doing all of these different activities in Spanish kind of just increases that bond um, as they grow out of the baby wearing stage, but they grow into, you know, this kind of like toddler, more, um, you know, uh, preschool um, type of kid, which is when you start to see a lot of the challenges come up, mm. right? Yeah. They start to go to school. They don't want to speak in Spanish. Like, I yeah. don't know if that's happened to you. Yeah, um, well, it, it did. Like, I, I definitely noticed the difference as they grew up. My daughter no longer spoke to me in Spanish. She would when she was baby and a toddler. And then as she grew a little bit older and got exposed to more kids, like, for example, um, we use the word papi for her dad, right? So I'm mommy and her dad is papi and they still call us mommy and papi. Um, she's 10 now. But when she was like two or three, she would get frustrated because she would, you know, tell people, oh, I'm on my way to go see my puppy. And people will say, oh, you have a puppy. She would look at them and say, no, my puppy. And I would have to say, puppy is the word in Spanish for daddy. And they'd go, oh, but it happened so often that the little girl got frustrated. <laughs> so then she started using the word daddy and it broke my heart. <laughs> and we try, but I love the tips that you give about like just incorporating it into your already the routines that you have. How can you switch it up to like include more Spanish. And I, I'm gonna have to look up that uh, Spotify playlist because music is huge in our house. And um, definitely I've tried, but not that intentional. So yeah, I think as they grow, you see that kind of growing away from that closeness you had, like that, that wearing and that bonding, but then that helps establish a good foundation I find too, so that you can kind of like bring them in again and it, they're more accepting I think and they're not so like it's not so foreign to them to come back here and let's regroup and let's like go back to the the basics and they they remember like my oldest remembers a lot more Spanish than the other ones do the other ones understand but they don't speak it as much my older one will actually venture and say some things but she understands almost everything which is really encouraging but yeah I think baby wearing definitely helped us in that sense just language overall right having that proximity to us and i know that there have been um some studies about it and uh just showing how being at um, almost eye level with your baby and having them see you as you speak as you point to things as you explore the world together and them learning language that way they are able to absorb it more um not just more quantity but um, more quickly as well and so I can imagine that that would translate to, you know, bilingualism as well, like any language, you know, that you're able to pour into them, <laughs> that you're able to present to them. I like, I like the idea of it, like just being like a buffet and it's like, here you go. And then they can just, you know, go at it. Um, I think it's really, it's a win-win for everybody, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, um, you know, there's there's two two things from like what you you mentioned that I think are um, are really important. Um, I think par parents get really frustrated when they're talking to their kids constantly in a language, in this case in Spanish, and you know they understand, but they answer in English. And so there's two approaches to this, but I think research, um, particularly research in the parenting field on like how to be a more positive parent mm -hmm. um, uh, has shown is that and you can be really strict about it and say, you know, in our household, we only speak Spanish. And so you have to answer to me in Spanish. If not, I don't understand. Um, 
or you can take more the the the, the a different approach which is my my prefer my, my preference which is I know that you understand because you're answering me in English and so exactly you know that that for me is like good enough at this point because I'm not going to pick a fight with a five-year-old over whether you're going to answer in Spanish or not right I don't want her to hate the language mm. um, I, I want her to um, just be okay with the fact that I'm talking to her in English and once in a while sorry in Spanish once in a while she'll say I didn't understand mama mm -hmm. uh, tell me in English and they'll say, no, I'll tell you again in Spanish with different words, but I'm going to tell it to you in Spanish because I yeah. know you understand. And so this is my preferred method. And some parents might, might feel that it's a little bit soft, <laughs> um, which is which is fine. Again, it's a preference, right? There's yeah. no right or wrong in this whole journey. Like you you do what you can, right? Um, and but this is my preferred approach because, again, I don't want her to hate the language and I and mm -hmm. and the. So the terminology is being a receptive bilingual, which is you understand the language, but you just won't speak it. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's also a an additional component to this, which is they might not speak it right now, mm. but it doesn't mean that they don't, they can't actually do it if they were, in if they needed to, right? And so, um, you know, when you go, like when you go to visit family, when you go and visit, um, a country where you know Spanish is the dominant um, language, they might feel inclined to actually speak it as well because they understand it, they know it, they know the the, the language. Um, and I remember very very well that that's what happened to me growing up in Mexico, right? Like yeah. I grew up in Mexico, my mom spoke to us in English, and when we would come to Canada, I understood everything that was going on, and it would take me two or three days to like finally feel comfortable to actually speak in English myself. Yeah. And this was this was like as a you know as a 10, 12, you know, 14 year old, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to kind of like give kids a little bit of of space and trust that they're absorbing it right as long as they're these they're, they're receptive bilinguals I think that I think that you're doing a good job and I think that we should commend ourselves for it because it's a very you know it's not an easy um an easy uh journey and then the second point that like that, that you made and this is just like a more like it's just like a general comment right for a lot of us um teaching uh, like having our kids going through the bilingualism process like this is a second generation thing mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like you you grew, you grew up in Canada yeah. with your parents having moved here right so you're yeah. first like quote unquote right first generation Canadian and so you're teaching second generation and and so teaching that second generation becomes that much more challenging right because you are so much more comfortable in English right mm -hmm. And it makes it a lot harder than to um, try to bring bring back that Spanish. And I've been in a number of different um, uh, clubhouse conversations with people that are raising, you know, second generation, third generation, and it's hard. Yeah. It really is, right, to bring back the to bring back the Spanish because the Spanish now is the second language. It's not mm -hmm. the first language anymore. Yeah. Um, and it makes it and, and it makes it that much more harder. And I think this is why we need more resources and more support towards each other to just yeah. encourage each other and tell you know to tell each other we're doing a great job, right? Like we're doing we're doing the best that we can. Um, and uh, and it's a it's a long journey. It's it's a marathon. And yeah. so you kind of got to pace yourself too. And you got to kind of like learn how to pick your battles. I think one of the, the biggest things um, that I've learned so far is 
the timeline between zero and four is such a precious timeline, right? Mm -hmm. Between zero and four, the baby is with you. It might be in daycare. It might not. They might still be at home. Um, and so it's so important to just take advantage of, of that four-year gap mm. to be able to, you know, um, create that solid foundation that you were talking about. Yeah. You know, that is such a precious, precious time. Um, and then when they turn four, you can start using resources that are available more widely. They can go to soccer in Spanish. They can go mm -hmm. to Spanish class. They yeah. can do all of these other activities in Spanish and you can get the structure support from a teacher, from a classroom that you might need, right? Yeah. Um, but that zero to four year gap is like, or four year old age is like really important because they're absorbing everything. Their brain is like super agile. Um, and so it's never too late to incorporate a language, but there is the disadvantage of not taking, you know, taking a, in, a, like advantage of that, of that baby, you know, preschool um, uh, age range. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh. And I was going to ask, actually, is there some people will say, oh, it's, it's too late. You know, they're, they're so old now. And um, like, I don't think that they would pick it up. Do you think that they should just give up or like, what would your advice be to a parent who has like, say um, a 10 year old and they're like, I didn't really do Spanish, but I really want them to now. Um, but I think it's too late. So it's never too late because you have, you know, you have people and you know, La Tercera Edad, the seniors yes. learning languages. So yes. it is never late, right? So, so you know, let's put that put that aside, um, you know, go for it. Uh, and so the, the recommendation then that I would make is not what is your interest, but what is your mm -hmm. child's interest? Yeah. You know, is your child really into comic books? Okay, yeah. like, let's find some comic books in Spanish. Is your child really into rap music? Okay, let's find some rap music in Spanish. Um, you know, really into soccer? Let's find a soccer team um, in the city that you live in so that they can play soccer in Spanish. So yeah. try to find what your child is really into and use and leverage that to promote the language. Um, it becomes a lot harder to just say, you know, mom's now only going to talk to you in Spanish <laughs> and, you know, sorry, but it, like it becomes harder to do that. But at the same time, um, they're smart, right? And so you can use other things to, 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 promote, to promote the language. So I don't think it's ever too late. And I think also some parents might actually be surprised by the amount of language that has been absorbed by the child without them intentionally giving it to mm -hmm. them, right? So, Absolutely. you know, there's a lot of households where, you know, the target, lang the target language X was spoken between both parents uh, but not to the child because mm. they want to make sure that the child spoke English properly. Right. <laughs> um, that scenario like happens all over the place all yeah. the time. Um, but the child still understands X language <laughs> yes. because, you know, he, he understood what mom and dad were saying or fighting about or discussing yeah. or agreeing to whatever. Um, so you might be surprised. So I would just say, you know, like go with it and, and include your child in the planning and in the journey of it so that he feels included and that it's not something that you're imposing on them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a key part. And I like how you, um, explained like that there's different methodologies about it. And like, I grew up 
for example, with my grandma living with us, she came to live with us. Gosh, I can't remember how old I was, but I was like a tween. And she took the approach of no hablo inglés, no entiendo inglés, así que si me quieres hablar, háblame en español, right? Like, I don't understand English. And so I was like, okay, I'm not speaking to you. <laughs> so that was, uh, and unfortunately, that really hurt our relationship. And like, looking back, I like, I wish she had been more flexible because now I find out that she has really amazing English and I'm like, oh, grandma. <laughs> and like all this time I thought, oh, my grandma doesn't speak any English. But I guess that was her approach. It was like, I really want you guys to like, you know, she's a teacher by career, right? So she she took that stance. And in our case, it, it, it hindered our relationship. With my sister who has a different temperament, it kind of like, she was like, okay. And so she spoke to her in Spanish. Um, but I think it's really important to like, um, realize that there are different approaches and find what your kid um, is receptive to, right? In terms of approaches, right? Because you might have a kid who's a little bit more strong-willed. <clears throat> they might not uh, appreciate like a, a hard edge approach as much as something that offers them more flexibility. And um, yeah, I think it's interesting too, when you look at older children, that's when they start to introduce languages in the public school system, for example, right? And so it's like, oh, right, okay, they're starting to learn another language there anyway. So, um, and teenagers pick up different languages in high school, right? They're like, oh, I can pick and choose. And so, yeah, I like that you said it's never too late. Um, and definitely if there's an interest there, I feel like they would absorb it more quickly too. And um, yeah, I think you've offered some really great um, thinking points for parents who are kind of like not sure where to go or how to start, or maybe they're, they have a baby and they're not sure how they're going to, you know, it seems overwhelming to think about the big picture, but I like that you mentioned it's a marathon, right? It's not so much like do everything right now. It's like pace yourself and realize that this is for the long haul, that you're going to be doing this forever, <laughs> basically, right? You're, you're wanting to foster that love of language and languages, right? Because I think it also helps expand your mind to want to learn other languages too. Um, not just, you know, one or two, but like want to, it facilitates other languages. And I know for personal experience, like French and Spanish are so similar mm -hmm. and like real compared to English, it's just so different, but like learning French and Spanish is really from one to the other. It's really um, a lot easier than going from like Spanish to English or English to French, for example. But anyways, those are other things to talk about. But I, yeah, I just, I think that those are some really great um, empowering points to offer to parents. Um, I don't know. I, I, don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to kind of just remind parents of or caregivers, because we have grandparents as well, right? Like it's not just parents in, in households, but oftentimes there'll be grandparents living there or visiting and how can we encourage them? Um, or like, should we just say, please help us <laughs> speak to our kids in Spanish or whatever language um, they have? Yeah. So. I think there's just um, one thing to keep in mind, just from to to um, end the com this this train of conversation before I jump into another one. I think it's really important for parents to think about what the objective is. Mm. It, and I think it's and, and that's really important for for two reasons. When you know that if you want your child to read, write, 
and speak in a language, the level of effort is going to be 10 times more, right, yeah. than, than just a regular one. And so just be aware of what your final objective is for, for that length, for the language for your child, and then adjust um, the method accordingly, right? And so if you really like feel that they need to be able to read and write um, as well as speak in the language, then you're going to need like so that many more like resources. I think that's just important to kind of keep in mind um, because for some parents, it's just important for them to be able to understand the language. And for others, it will be really important that they're able to answer in the language. Mm. And so that just kind of like um, uh, helps determine like what the family plan is going to be yeah. um, for the language, right? Um, so, so that's just one of the things that I, I wanted to mention. And on my website, you can actually find a template that talks about what are my objectives? Like, why is it that I want my child to speak the language? And I, you know, encourage pe people to print it out and put it on your fridge so that you have it there visible on a day-to-day -day yes. basis so that you know that that's that's the objective right you're teaching yeah. the language because you want to reach x y or z goal because you want to share your culture because you want it whatever and then you can put it there you can print it out and you can have it visible and that also creates a little bit of a visible reminder on a day-to-day -day basis to speak the language yeah. so i just wanted to kind of like mention mention that um that part um in terms of the grandparents like I have, I have a couple of, of reels coming up this month that I think will be really helpful. Um, so my, my mom uh, is in Mexico and she speaks in English to, to Evelyn because that's her, her language. Um, and she has been um, basically calling every day. We've been talking every day since the pandemic began. Yeah. Um, and she reads stories to Evelyn Can every day. Yeah. And so um, I'll uh, like I'll, I'll give a brief synopsis of, of how she does it, but she basically um, opens up a Zoom call, she shares her screen and she has a book and then she'll read that book to Evelyn. Now, Evelyn is five, but she's been doing this since Evelyn was three. Almost every day, the relationship that they have is so mm. strong, right? Yeah. Every day they, she wants to talk to grandma and grandma is a six hour flight away. But yeah. that doesn't matter. She wants to talk to her. And so, you know, I want to highlight that point first, because I think my mom is amazing. But second, because it's a clear example of what commitment, consistency mm. um, and, um, you know, repetition can do in terms of bonding and in terms of like strengthening a relationship and in terms of being able to use that virtual, you know, um, village community in your favor right mm -hmm. so I like if, if there's like one tip that I would give to parents that have that option with the, their the grandparents I would say reach out to them and ask mm -hmm. them to support you in this journey and offer some tips of how they can do that right yeah. something that's super easy to do you pick one book you read the same book every day for five or six weeks in a row mm -hmm. and you will see how quickly um a child that's three um, two or three because it's about Penelope's age two or three will be receptive to that right mm. a short story that doesn't last more than five or ten minutes it's the same story read in the same way consistency and repetition is key yeah. when we're talking to little ones um, so that they can learn and uh, and it just helps build that relationship and it also helps parents that or grandparents not feel that they're like that far away yeah. you know, because it's hard for them. We're in another country, you know, we don't get to see them very often. Um, 
And I'll tell you the first time that, um, that Evelyn saw my mom, like when she was about two, um, and she was able to kind of like recognize she wasn't a stranger. There was no like stranger danger. I don't want to hug you. There was none of that. Right. It was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, why aren't you on a screen? Yes. You know, you're here in real life. And that was awesome. That was so cool. And so that's a really um, easy way to, you know, leverage and, and have an additional support, right? Through, through your, 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 the grandparents. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much, Alexa. I don't want to take too much of your time because I I think we could keep going with this. There's just so much yeah. to say, right? And I think, but already you've given so many golden golden nuggets and just um, offered some amazing tips and your website as a great resource. I think um, that's a great place for parents to start and just, you know, go there and you've got your Facebook group as well, you mentioned. Um, but yeah, what's your, can you give us your um, Instagram handle and your website again, please? Yeah, so the Instagram handle is um, at my underscore bilingual underscore babies. Um, and then the website is bilingualbabies.ca. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll find like on the website, the link to the Instagram account if you can't find yeah. the handle. Wonderful. So I will add that all in the description of this, um, this podcast, but yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and share about your experience, how you, you know, have turned your experience into a way to help other parents in the same kind of journey and just supporting them and offering resources for them to raise bilingual kids, which is, um, amazing and hard and wonderful and just, you know, a great thing to do when you have the ability to do it. So yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much for for taking the time and for the invitation. (laughs) Bye. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Are you wanting to raise your little one to be bilingual? Be sure to follow My Bilingual Babies on Instagram and check out the bilingualbabies.ca website for lots of resources. If you need support and guidance, be sure to message Alexa Barrera directly as she is a fount of knowledge in this area. The virtual village she's building is sure to be a great help to you in your bilingual parenting journey. And if you have any questions about this podcast or baby wearing in general, just reach out. You can find me at the Baby Wearing Club across all social media platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. Blessings to you and yours and happy wearing.